So I want to start this morning by telling you some stories about one of Jesus' closest friends, uh, Peter. He played a prominent role in the early church. Um, and so this is stories from a guy who, who was in top-level kingdom leadership, okay? Uh, Jesus one day was washing the feet of his disciples, and uh, that's a low, dirty job, uh, the job of a servant. And so Jesus came to Peter, and Peter said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And uh, Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. So basically Jesus said, yes, but even though you don't understand what I'm doing, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter said, no, you will never wash my feet. Jesus said, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me, Peter. And Peter quickly changed his tune. He said, okay, wash my feet, my hands, and my head. You know, w- wash as much of me as you want, is what Peter's saying. And uh, later on, Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And, and Peter said, Lord, I will die with you before I disown you. And then, of course, you know, Peter did disown Jesus, and the rooster crowed. And, and here's the important part. Peter wept bitterly. So Jesus died and he was resurrected and and Peter goes fishing with some of his friends. This is the last chapter in the Gospel of John. Peter goes fishing with some of his friends and and they fish all night. You know, Peter used to be a fisherman. They fish all night. They caught nothing. And uh, a stranger, they couldn't tell who it was. It was Jesus on the shore the next morning yelled out, hey, did you catch any fish? And they're like, no. Uh, He said, Throw your net on the other side. And so they throw their net on the other side of the boat. And uh, the, the net is so full of fish that they can't pull it up. And John, another one of Jesus' friends, recognized him at that point, said, oh, that's Jesus. And once Peter heard John say, that's Jesus, Peter jumped in and swam to shore. He couldn't wait for the boat to get there. He swam to the shore to meet Jesus after Peter had disowned him, right? Three times after he denied him. And so they ate breakfast together, you know, the whole group of friends. And, and after breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, f- feed my lambs, Peter. And Jesus asked Peter again, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep, actually, is what he said the second time. And then Jesus asked Peter a third time, do you love me? And that hurt Peter. <laughs> it's like... You asked me two times already, of course I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. So three times Peter denied Jesus, three times Jesus restored Peter. Jesus is the spiritual trainer who will never give up on you. Every time Peter made a misstep, every time he was out of line, Jesus corrected him, Peter stepped back in line. Every time uh, Peter let Jesus down, Peter comes running back. To Jesus and Jesus isn't like I've been through this enough with you already I'm about to put you aside and replace you with somebody else no Jesus embraces him every single time welcomes him back he says okay let's continue our training together and all of this all these stories I told you there's more there's part of Peter's training it was a lifelong training to follow Jesus just like ours is a lifelong training of following Jesus. And Peter's training, like ours, did not earn him anything. We don't earn anything training to follow Jesus. We are enabled to enjoy Jesus more as we learn 
how to follow him in our training. So today, we're, we're talking about endurance training. We're talking about a training that does not give up, a training for godliness over the long haul. So this week, I looked at, uh, you know, what, what, is in, what does it take to be a successful endurance runner? You know, I looked at some of that. And uh, a, a, a certified physician assistant, a PA, who specializes in sports medicine, basically said, a guy named Christopher Breen, he said, consistency is, is the recurring theme in successful endurance training. You can you not have consistency for a time, but over the long haul, you, you need consistent training in order to be a successful endurance runner. And, and I recognize some of you, you know, maybe you've never been into sports, maybe you've never been into physical training, but uh, if you're here, you're at least interested in what it takes for spiritual training. And uh, Hebrews 12 says that we are to run a long distance race. We are to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So I, I think we're going to find that consistency also uh, is, is relevant, is important in our, in our spiritual training for godliness. So today we're going to consider three re- requirements for our endurance training, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to see these three requirements from a single verse in Hebrews chapter 5. It's verse 14, and, and so I, I just want to tell you what we're going to do before we do it. We're going to look at these three things from Hebrews 5.14, but then, like like you're looking at a forest and a tree, you know, you can see all the details of the tree. Then what we're going to do is we're going to zoom out and look at the whole forest of Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6 in order to understand, you know, like what's going on big picture here. So uh, right now let's focus on Hebrews 5.14. And actually, I'll have you read that with me as well. Hold on, where am I? Yeah, there it is. I want to make sure, same translation. Good. Let's read it together. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Okay, solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So it's going to be pretty straightforward. You're not going to be like, oh, I never saw that coming as the second point. We're just going to talk through each of these chunks of this verse. The first requirement for endurance training is that practice piece. Another translation says constant use. This is the consistency that I was talking about with the PA who, who deals in sports medicine. We have to form habits in order to train well. And so this just doesn't happen on accident. Like Proverbs 24:16 says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. So you have to form intentionally th- this choice to, okay, I- I'm training, and you know, I-, I, mi- I stepped out of line, I messed up, what am I going to do next? Am I just going to kind of lay there in self-pity, or am I going to get up and keep going, keep training? This is not about perfection, this is ab- about the direction of our lives, the formation of our habits. And so this is over the long haul. This is endurance training. So just think to yourself, like something that you want to change in your life, if it took you five years to really make that change effectively, would it be worth it? I, I hope so. I, what, 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 we're, what we're trying to get after 
is long-term transformation to where next month, yeah, hopefully we make progress, but this is not a quick fix. This is endurance training. It requires practice, ongoing practice. And some of you might be thinking, Ben, my life is so full. I've got little kids. I've got a very, very busy job. You know, I'm serving here at Orchard, and I I just don't know if I have time for another thing to do. And I just want to say that training for godliness doesn't necessarily require you adding another thing to your schedule. Like, you can intentionally use your time in the car on your way to work. Uh, You know, when, when you're taking lunch breaks at work or whatever you do over any breaks at work, you can use time that you already have to focus on training for godliness. So for example, are you working with people who are far from God? Most of us are. Or you're living around them. Well, what can you do in your daily life where you can just incorporate praying for them? You know, what what natural avenues, maybe it's on your way to work, and then you look at your work more as a mission field. That's just a, a practice that you can engage in, and over time, it will make a change in your life. Or reading your Bible, you know, like, maybe you don't read your Bible right now, but you read the newspaper. If, rather than reading the newspaper in the morning or scrolling through Facebook in the morning, if you spent five minutes over coffee reading your Bible, then in three months, in four months, you'll have, had, you'll have more capacity to read and to understand and connect with God through his word. This is, this is a long-term endurance training type of perspective. So the, the second requirement of endurance training that we see in this passage is that those who through practice, they, they have their senses trained. That's, that's a passive verb, like that's something done to you. Your senses are trained. So that's something that God will do as we practice. He, he will change our perception. He'll ch- change the way that we react to things. But we have to do something, right? We, we have to practice. We have to do disciplines, activities in our power that enable us to do what we can't do on our own power. And so, kind of like I was referring to before, there's no exhaustive list of disciplines. Um, you know, praying for your coworkers. You, you begin to see opportunities because your senses are being trained. You, you noticed opportunities that were there all along, but you'd never noticed before. Your senses have to be trained as you practice. Uh, another potential discipline is if you're filling up cups of water for dinner, are, are you filling up your cup first or your spouse's cup first? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with filling up your cup first, but this is a training opportunity to develop in your heart a value of putting her interests above my own, putting his interests above my own. I mean, even like what hand do you hold the cup in? Your dominant hand. You give them your best. And you might think, Ben, you're, you're, you're making all these rules that God doesn't require of us. None of these are rules. This is wisdom. This is an invitation to training for godliness so that who we are on the inside, our senses are changed. So that 
you know, oh, I might have forgotten to hold my 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 wife's hand in my dominant my wife's cup in my dominant hand, but what's what's happening inside of me is more important. Am I thinking of her interests above my own on a consistent basis? Are my senses being trained? Again, this this might take a long time, but it's not about perfection. It's about direction. Over time, the choices we make are training our senses. And this is something that God does with us. And that leads us to the last requirement of this passage of endurance training. Is The, all, the whole point of this training is to distinguish good and evil. And, and you might think, gosh, I, I think I learned the difference between good and evil when I was little. You know, that's bad, that's good. That's evil, that's good. I mean, we did, but we have to continue learning the difference. Like, look at Peter. Remember Peter's example? Repeatedly, Peter thought he knew what was good. Oh, Jesus, you know, don't don't act like a slave. Don't act like a servant, Jesus. You're better than that. Uh, You know, and no, Peter, you'll understand later that the greatest among you must serve. And and so Peter, he was consistently disillusioned by what good and evil was. And, and honestly, so are we. That's why we need to enter in to a life and a lifestyle of training. Because frankly, uh, throughout history, Christians and people who are not, not Christians especially, but even Christians have consistently been disillusioned about what is good and what is evil. We see it in the early church in Corinth. Paul writes to them in 2 Corinthians 11, and, and he's saying, hey, these people that some of you have been following, uh, you think they're servants of Christ, but they're actually deceitful workers. They're messengers of the devil. And then he says, no wonder, because Satan himself pretends to be an angel of light. So this is incredibly important for all of us, that we grow in our ability to distinguish good from evil. And as we do this, as we buy in and throw in our whole life to this endurance training for godliness, it leads to maturity. And if you look at Hebrews 5.14, for a definition of maturity, it's those who by constant practice are internally trained to do good and not to do evil. So I I also want to, this is where we're going to zoom out and kind of look at the forest of Hebrews 5 and 6. I think this is beautiful, so hang with me because we're about to get some elevation, right? We're about to go up real quick. Um, Hebrews 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but think, think about Peter. Think about Peter and, and his life when you're reading, or when I'm reading this. Uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, let's leave the elementary, the basic teachings of Christ, and go on to maturity. And then in 7 and 8, he tells us what maturity is. Land, it's an illustration, okay? Land that has drunk in the rain that falls on it and produces a crop useful to those who farm it that receives the blessing from God. That land is good, right? Distinguishing good from evil. Land that drinks in the rain and produces the crop that the farmer wants, that's useful, receives a blessing from God. But, verse 8, if it bears thorns and thistles, if it doesn't produce anything of value, it's worthless, that land is, and it's near 
to being cursed. In other words, it's devoted to destruction. In the end, it'll be burned. That land is not useful. It's useless. And so just think about Peter's life. Did Peter's life produce weeds? Yeah, absolutely. But was Peter's life marked by weeds? No, because every time weeds sprung up, Peter repented. And this is, this is true in the Gospels. You see it in Galatians as well. Paul rebuked Peter to his face. All of our lives have weeds in them. But here's the mark of maturity. Over time, is there fruit found in your field? Are you pulling the weeds and cultivating the fruit? That's the mark of spiritual maturity. And so... As I was thinking about endurance this week, I think a, a question that we ask, because endurance is hard, <laughs> it requires a lot for a long time, but wh why does God have us endure? Why, why must we endure in order to mature? Why do we have to keep pulling weeds? Why do we have to keep cultivating the fruit? Why can't the fruit just spring up on its own, you know, like the weeds do? I think the best answer, it's not the only answer, but personally, I think the best answer as to why God requires en endurance is to show us Jesus. And we will not be able to enjoy Jesus if we're unwilling to change, unwilling to endure. Let's go back before Hebrews 5.14. Let's go back to Hebrews 5.11. This is where I get the answer to show us Jesus. Hebrews 5.11 says, uh, the author is talking about Jesus as a high priest and he kind of pauses. This is, he, 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 he pushes pause and he says, concerning Jesus, concerning him, we have a lot to say. We, there's a lot. When it comes to knowing Jesus, there, there's a lot to say. But it's hard to explain because you're not really interested in hearing it. He says, by this time, you've had enough teaching to become teachers yourself. You've heard it enough. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's word. You've come to need milk and not solid food because you haven't learned to digest into your life and become the, what, the teaching that you've already received. Verse 13, everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the teaching about righteousness, about learning to live the right way, not just knowing good and evil, but doing it. He's still an infant. And then verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant practice have had their senses trained to distinguish good and evil. So, so here's, here's just what I, I really want to communicate this morning, okay? God wants so much more than like a Facebook level friendship with you to where it's like, oh yeah, one time we connected and then I added him and, you know, I just occasionally, you know, scroll through the pictures and, you know, see what's going on. Um, he wants to change your life for the rest of your life. God wants to change your life for the rest of your life. And there's a great connection, I think, between these two passages, the milk and the meat before Hebrews 5.14, and then the land and the rain. You know, they both receive all the input that's needed in order to live godly lives, in order to grow in Christ-likeness, 
the land receives the rain, right? And, and the, the person receives the food, whether it's milk or meat. But uh, the pers- like, it's our responsibility to choose. What, what are we going to do? Are, are we going to be changed? Are we going to stay after it and keep pulling weeds, keep digesting the milk in order to move on and continue to grow in Christ-likeness? Maturity is evidenced by what your life produces over time. So, are you letting Jesus change you? And when we ask this question, our vision needs to be long-term, right? Who you were two years ago. Who you were five years ago. For some of us, one of the benefits of being older is you can ask 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And there are no shortcuts in spiritual maturity. There, there's no shortcuts. And we need to ask this question individually. I think as Americans, we tend to, okay, am I growing? Am I changing personally? But we also need to ask it as a community. This is an endurance race as a community as well. And so even though like, from my perspective, I think we're off to a solid start. We, we can't let up. We got to stay after it. We must endure together to be a part of what God's doing. And so I, I showed this uh, model last week. Here's what endurance training will look like. We have to have vision. We have to have an intention and we have to have the means. These three things work together in our spiritual formation. Vision is increasingly becoming like Jesus in character. The intention is how much do you want that? Do do you actually intend to move towards that vision? And then if you do intend to, then how are you practically going to do that? This is from Dallas Willard, a great philosopher and Christian teacher. uh, And he says, we have to have the vision and we have to form the intention And we have to adopt the means. Vision, intention, means. And if we do that, get this. And his life reflected it too. If we do that, it works. It works. Every individual, every church, every organization, that's all we need to do. We don't need to create fancy stuff and do fancy programs. Just simple, straightforward, ongoing practice. And so... Here is what I think we can expect because it sounds very simple and it is, but in practice it's difficult because like Peter, we all step out of bounds. We all get off track. Here's what I think it looks like. I I clouded it up. But if you just have vision, give me a moment. I'm going to try to explain. If you're stuck in the vision quadrant and, and you don't have all three, you just think God has a wonderful plan for my life. I have no idea what it is. And I really don't want to move towards it. I, I really don't. I don't have any intention. But if you just have intention and no vision for what God wants to do, you think, I want to be better. I can do this. And as self-help. That's all it is. You just intend to be better. And you're the definition of what's better. And it's all on you. And if you have the means, but no intention to use them, for example, and this describes me, honestly, for much of my Christian life, I knew that Bible reading and prayer were good ideas. I knew that community was a good idea. Uh, I didn't really have any intention or, frankly, clear vision for how to do that. You're a fool. 
you're a fool because you know the good that's out there, but you, you don't have any desire to carry it out. And so if you have kind of a mixture um, of intention and means, like you want to do well and you know how, uh, without God, without his vision for your life, you can easily become self-righteous. You probably will because, you know, it's just you doing what you know how to do and you're making yourself into a, a good person. Or if you have means like Bible reading uh, and a vision for God changing your life, but you, you don't really do it, then you're lazy or you're apathetic. <laughs> um, and if you have vision and attention, but you just don't know how to do it, it's like, God, I, I, I know you have a great plan for my life. I know you want to change me. I want to be changed, but I don't know what to do next. You'll easily become frustrated if you don't actually know what steps to do next. And so I was going to get a laser pointer, and I got this instead. Because <laughs> Walmart doesn't sell laser pointers, apparently. But here's what we can expect from my experience, and I think all of Christian history tells us this. You know, we're, we're trying to move towards, towards the, God's vision for our life, our intention, and the means, kind of finding that sweet spot in the middle. And if Peter's life and our life is any example, here's what it'll look like. Say you start here, and then it's like, oh, I actually got a vision, you know, but I'm still not doing it yet. And then you start, you know, getting that vision, and you're like, okay, I'm moving here. And then you're like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then it's just like, I'm doing it by myself without God. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and then it's like, well, I, I don't know any new means, so I just need to, I need to try harder. I just need to try harder. And then you move over here. This this is what Christ-likeness growing into it looks like. We just kind of move all over the place. But as we keep moving, as we keep moving, the Holy Spirit trains us, oh yeah, this is kind of true north. You know, right here is true north. And, and, and so we move and it's like, oh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm over here, but then I, I come back over here. And honestly, as I've reflected on this week, I think the important thing is keep moving and do it with other people. Keep moving, confessing sin with, towards other people, and, and, and just keep moving because the Holy Spirit is our ultimate spiritual guide, our, our trainer, and he's active in our lives, and nobody is going to set up camp right there in the middle. Nobody. But solid food is for the mature who by constant practice have their senses trained to distinguish good from evil. They know when they've crossed that line into self-righteousness, Right? And what do they do? They don't want to set up camp there. That's miserable. So they repent and believe. They embrace God's vision for their life. And then they, they learn to live there increasingly. This is not about perfection. It's about direction. And so we're all moving all the time. We're all making choices. We're all forming habits. And in our hearts, we're moving towards some vision. We're developing some intention. It's like, even if it's an intention to watch Netflix, it's like, I got to make time for that. You know, like, I want to finish my, I want to finish my series or whatever. We're we're all developing intention and we're utilizing means. We're all doing it already. And I just want to say, if you're like, man, I haven't been walking with God for the last 10 years. Your story's not over. And yeah, training is hard. But I just want to encourage you, man, if Peter can run back to Jesus or swim back to Jesus, so can you. 
And Jesus' response will be the same as it was with Peter. Come here, let me restore you, and let's keep training together. This is training for the long haul. This is endurance training under King Jesus. So let's pray. And if you're here as, as we're praying and you're like, I'm not sure I've ever committed my life to actually following Jesus. I, I've believed in him before, but I'm not sure that I've ever committed to follow Jesus as my Lord. Um, you can do that today. Just tell him that. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to tell somebody else. This training needs to be done in community. If you've kind of been stuck in one of those categories, stuck in self-righteousness, and if you kind of feel like you're not moving, just talk to God and ask him, ask him, ask him very practically what does training look like? What, what's the next step? for my endurance training look like? Thank you for being patient with us, Father. We do pray that you would change us and give us your vision for our lives. That over the long haul, we would consistently practice in order to have our senses trained to distinguish good and evil. We trust that in that process, you will use us to do things that we cannot and would not do on our own. And we, we know that you're so invested in our development, in our lives, uh, that, that you can and you will reveal what's next. You're not leaving us to, this is not guesswork. You're active and you're powerful and you care about our development. So continue to speak to us even as we as we sing your praise now.